0: Max Minute, where we observe the comings and goings of marauders in Mad Max 2 The Road Warrior, one minute at a time. I'm Rick.
1: And I'm Julia.
0: And today we're talking about Minute 19, which begins with the Lord Humongous' horde retreating for the night... And it ends with Max, Dog, and the Gyro Captain asleep atop the ridge. So it seems that the Lord Humongous's horde has given up for the day. They've spent the entire span that we've been sitting here watching them alongside with Max and the Gyro Captain mm-hmm. constantly circling and harassing and pressing and retreating. And now it seems that they are just done. They're going to go home and I'm hoping come up with a different strategy because everything that they've been doing today has been doing nothing. Nothing.
1: I think we've been with them for most of the day. It's hard to tell like how early in the morning we got to this lookout, but we definitely watched them eat lunch Mm -hmm. and nap through the afternoon heat and then sunset. So we we definitely saw those parts of the day. So it's been at least three quarters of a day, I would guess.
0: Yeah, several hours. Yes.
1: And no progress has been made on taking over this compound. I think this is a smart move on humongous's part i don't know a lot about warfare and like strategy and things like that but fighting through the night doesn't sound like a good idea
0: no it's one of those things where the entire horde they're going to be tired
1: yes they need to rest frustrated. they need to refuel they need to eat and they need to come up with a different strategy mm-hmm. absolutely
0: yeah, because they're not getting in the front because that bus is too big and too well-armored. They can't ram through it. There's too much mass. They can't shoot through it. There's too much armor plating. They can't climb over it because of the flamethrowers. And They can't dig
1: s- under it. I don't know why not, but it's just kind of the next line. <laughs> <laughs>
0: aside from the tire wall there's also the giant moat with the
1: the barbed wire
0: barbed wire razor wire whatever kind of wire you want to imagine it has there's no cover trying to get across that moat so nope. as soon as they press on one side of the attack all the people in there are just going to kill them in the trench where they lie and they don't really have i mean they the horde they don't really have any sort of bridge building vehicle that they could no bring up to the side and
1: i'm thinking about of all the machines of war what would be useful to them you know what would be useful to them like a rocket launcher well,
0: them, I think everyone could use a rocket Well,
1: launcher. yeah. <laughs> if they had a ranged weapon like that, they could sit up on a perch, similar to what Max and the captain are doing, and they can shoot from up there. Mm. Now, it would have to be a big ranged weapon because it's pretty far away. Yeah. So it would have to be something like rocket powered. Yeah, they picked a pretty good spot for that compound. Although, I mean, did... They didn't really pick the spot for the compound. Yeah. I think that pump and refinery were already there, I would assume. They didn't build it.
0: Right. I'm pretty sure that the reason they're at this compound specifically has to do with Papagallo. And I think in the screenplay, there's a thing about the character of Papagallo, who we haven't met yet. Mm Mm-hmm. In one version of this movie, we were supposed to see him as part of the prologue, and we were supposed to see him working for a gas company. Could you hand me your copy of the screenplay real quick?
1: Yeah. Interesting. So it kind of tells us how, why this place, why these people. Yeah. Interesting. So they're kind of maybe like the leftover employees of this operation just kind of stuck around.
0: Here we go. So... This is shot, I think, 1J, foyer of a huge corporation. The company's crest is chiseled on the wall. It is accompanied by the words, Seven Sisters Petroleum Fueling the World. On the floor below, beyond the marble pillars, we see the building is abandoned, littered with broken furniture and piles of documents. We pass through a door designated Chief Executive. At the other end of the imposing room, we see a businessman clearing out his vast desk. His name is Papagallo. On the wall behind him, we see photographs and paintings of oil wells and refineries. Papagallo takes a wad of maps and puts them in his briefcase, followed by a copy of Whole Earth Catalog and another book. The cover reads, Teach Yourself Solar Energy.
1: Wow, I skimmed that section. I specifically remember skimming that section, and the word Papagallo did not stand out to me. I didn't realize that that executive was papagallo interesting yeah i really like that i kind of wish that was in the movie
0: <laughs> yeah i think they opted for like we probably discussed it's been a while since we were talking about the <laughs> opening montage but i'm pretty sure they opted for the stock footage so that way they wouldn't have to run out and film a lot of this pre-collapse footage.
1: yes yes and shooting that scene and communicating to us that this is the same man that we're going to meet would have required an actual scene, some kind of dialogue or some kind of storytelling. And I think they went much more visual storytelling, which didn't broad. give us, yeah, which didn't give us specifics. Mm. And I mean,
0: I can understand why. I mean, they don't want to tell us too much information. No. No. Because even though it's the narrator telling the story, we're still kind of following Max's point of view. And Max doesn't know Papagallo's backstory. And so us knowing it probably wouldn't have jived too well with how we've been following the story so far. It's an interesting thing to think about.
1: Yeah, that information wouldn't have meant anything to us at the time that it was given to us, which is okay. I mean, a lot of information gets to us that way. You know, when we saw the rig back on the road, if you hadn't seen the movie yet, you wouldn't know that that rig is important.
0: Mm. I mean, it will be. Yeah. We still...
1: We're still a ways off from that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Watching it the way we're watching it, you know, we we don't necessarily (laughs) know... That the rig is going to be important. I mean, we know because we've watched it, but like watching it in this order, it, you know. Never mind.
1: Yeah, but I think, I think the the Papagallo information is not important to the storyline. Mm-mm. Um, It's interesting information, but it doesn't make any difference.
0: But it does kind of explain your question of
1: why these people, why here. Why here. Yeah. <laughs> right? And I think the whole point of that was this is an incredibly defensible position. Yeah. There's nothing, you know, it's flat, it's open, it's guarded from general view, but these peaks are not close enough to be effective for attack.
0: Right. And it's not like we're in a area where there are a lot of beams and trees and things that you can craft for siege weaponry out of. Certainly not.
1: Right. And the Horde, while they may be skilled fighters in small stuff, small skirmishes, road chases and ambushes, they would never have cause to be practiced at siege warfare. Yeah, we...
0: (laughs) We've been able to sit back and watch them circle around and be not very effective and just kind of sit here and chuckle at them alongside with Max and the gyro captain. But we're about to see come next week, how terribly effective they are at doing just what you were talking about, taking out singular targets on the road. Like, that's what they're practiced at. That's where they excel. You know, you don't spend a specialized force up into a situation where they're not trained for it because their talents are going to be wasted. And that's pretty much the situation that the Lord Humongous finds himself in. He's got a crackpot collection of marauders and raiders and... People that are really good at going out on the road and taking out convoys and taking down singular vehicles. And he's wasting them in this type of attack.
1: Yes consuming a ton of resources doing so.
0: Yeah, so I really think one of the main reasons they're retreating at this point, aside from rest and refueling and feeding and whatnot, is that...
1: (laughs) They need a new strategy.
0: Yeah, they've really got to come up with something better.
1: Yeah. I know Lord Humongous is reputed to be charismatic and he brings these groups together. Does he have... As someone more familiar with the movie than me, does he have a reputation on strategy? Is he like reputed to be an excellent strategist? I don't know. Okay, I- I'm thinking he needs like a strategic advisor. I don't think he's that organized, but he needs one.
0: I think most movie villains need like a personal assistant. Yes. To be more oh,
1: effective. I love those cartoons. Yeah, they're fantastic. If if uh, supervillains had personal assistants.
0: So we go from this shot of all of the vehicles leaving the compound, and they're kicking up these big dust trails, and we kind of zoom out so that we get roughly that same shot, but we also get Max and the gyro captain in kind of the foreground. You can of mm-hmm. see them sitting on the ridge with everything happening below, and I really like the composition of this shot.
1: Yeah, once again. The way
0: it's layered together.
1: beautiful. Mm-hmm. I My favorite part of this shot was the horizon appears curved, like the curvature of the earth, and it creates this illusion that that the the compound and max and the captain sitting up on the the peak watching them that they're a much larger part of the earth than they really are and it brings into focus these people here in this valley this is their world Mm -hmm. and whoever wins and whoever loses the loser is gonna die without this fuel the person who doesn't have this fuel isn't going to survive if the marauders lose and it was their choice to attack so this is something Something that they didn't have before that they decided they that they wanted. They are expending so much fuel getting it that if they lose, they might not have anything left. They're like putting all of their eggs in this one basket. It's like you got to spend money to make money. Well, yeah. if you spend money to make money, but you don't make money, then you have no money.
0: Yeah, they're spending a lot of money, metaphorically, on this venture. Yes. And they're not seeing a whole lot of return.
1: No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not, now, not for now, at least. And I get the sense that max is sitting up here on this ridge more or less learning from their mistakes like he's been watching these attacks very closely all day and he's looking for any weakness that they might find because i think he's still on the fence about how exactly he's going to get the fuel out of that compound and if there is a way that these marauders break through that defense he's going to see it from his vantage point and he's going to file that away in his little personal memory banks so that way when he gets close to the compound, he knows what to do, essentially.
1: Yes. Max is not a siege fighter either. No. So, yeah, he's watching and learning, which is incredibly smart. Max is very, very smart. Yeah.
0: Another thing I like about this shot is that it kind of reminds me of a picture that we have hanging above our computer desk in the living room.
1: Yes. I
0: got it at Granite Con. Mm Mm-hmm also known as Granite State Comic Con, a couple of years ago, from an artist whose name I can't remember because sometimes artist signatures are kind of like the writing on a prescription, you know, hard to decipher. Yes. Because doctors have terrible handwriting, but that's another thing for another day. But it's a picture of a lone figure sitting on a ridge and below him in a valley is this like vehicle horde of marauders and raiders that are chasing after a war rig and it's kind of inspired by fury road but it's it's nice because it's not orange tinted like you would expect it's kind of like blue grayish yes and so it's a bit more muted and it's got some really nice line work
1: and yeah I, it's beautiful i really like that piece
0: i'll have to put a picture of it on the listeners page so that everyone else can see it too
1: yes it's a good idea
0: speaking of mad max art one thing that I don't think I showed you. I went to Boston Comic-Con yesterday. Now, granted, when this episode airs...
1: It'll be end of September-ish, maybe?
0: It'll be the end of September. We're recording it in mid-August. So when I say I went yesterday, I went on August 12th. (laughs) (laughs) But I saw a really cool piece of uh, art from this artist who wasn't at their table. His name is Corin Howell, C-O-R-I-N-H-O-W-E-L-L, but he had comic book covers that he had drawn combining Transformers with Mad Max Fury Road. Here, check them out. I'm showing Julia the pictures that I took on my phone. I'll have to post these to the listener's page as well because they are pretty cool. They essentially cast Megatron as the Giga Horse and Optimus Prime as the War Rig, and they are just crazy awesome looking.
1: That's pretty awesome. So yes, we're
0: going to put some art on the listener's page today, so be sure to check that out.
1: Oh, there's so much wonderful Mad Max fan art out there.
0: Mm-hmm. Getting back to the minute. <laughs> <laughs> From the shot of Max and the gyro captain overlooking the retreating horde, the next shot we see is the gyro captain, and he has just finished cleaning out the dog food can and he's done eating. Yep. And he reaches into his coat and he pulls out a handkerchief and he, like, wipes around his mouth. And he kind of, like, dabs at it. Yes. You know. So proper. It's the kind of thing that feels out of place to, uh, Tell the truth?
1: Oh, definitely.
0: You would expect someone in the wasteland to either use their sleeve or just their hand, wipe off their face that way. But no, he's actually got, you know, a piece of cloth that he keeps hidden away for just this purpose in a world where woven fabric is probably at a premium.
1: Yeah. This little action that he does, even in like today's society, most people don't do it. So him going out of his way to keep this piece of cloth is doubly unusual
0: mm. as i was watching this happen i had a thought the idea of habits that people have and how that relates to the idea of ritual now habits not all habits are rituals not all rituals are habits and i found a article on circuelfoundation.org where they were talking about the difference between the two Now, when I say ritual, I'm not talking about the Jewish mitzvahs or the Islamic daily prayers or the sacraments of Christianity. No, these are more like personal and mundane. And Circuall Foundation, they say on their website, habits develop without us knowing it. We start doing something one day, and over time the action is so ingrained we don't even think about it anymore. Rituals, unlike habits, are done with deliberate intention and concentration. And so... I look at the gyro captain pulling out this napkin and wiping his face off as kind of a little post-meal ritual that he does. Something deliberate that he makes sure that he does. And I would like to think that he does it specifically because it's not something that a wild animal would do. You know, dogs Mm, don't
1: wipe their faces.
0: Rabbits don't wipe their faces. Humans clean up when they're done eating.
1: Especially after the day he's had. Yeah. Where... Max has come first, the dog very purposely has come second, and he has come third. Mm -hmm. A dog has been placed, an animal has been placed before him in the priority line. So especially right now, he needs to remind himself that he is not an animal. He needs to be above an animal. And this is a ritual that reaffirms that for him. Mm -hmm.
0: I don't think we ever see the gyro captain eat again in this movie. So I wouldn't necessarily say that there's an established pattern that we can go off of. Mm -hmm. But you look at the gyro captain and how he behaves and that's just the type of thing that you would look at and say, oh, he probably does that after every single meal. Yes. Just so that he can feel a little bit more human.
1: This reminds me of a book that I have that I'm going to go grab off the bookshelf by Gretchen Rubin called Better Than Before. It is a book about strategies for forming habits to build a happier life. And by your definition, these shouldn't be defined so much as habits, as rituals. And I like the idea of rituals, of calling these actions rituals instead of habits. Rituals feel special.
0: Mm -hmm. They're a way of centering yourself.
1: Yes. And we relate that word to the mitzvahs and the prayers and the sacraments that you mentioned before, these larger gestures that are...
0: Religious in nature.
1: Yes, and they're important. And the people that do them, they are a central part of their lives. Well, similarly, we take the small things that we decide to do daily, Mm -hmm. and they may be small, but adding up, that's what our life is, is the series of small things that we do every day. Mm -hmm. And it makes it important. Makes these small things that we might call habits, a habit of brushing your teeth in the morning, the habit of making your bed, the habit of exercising, turning them into rituals, gives them the importance that they really do have in your life.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's important to remember though that habits usually serve a very utilitarian purpose. Brushing your teeth, preparing your meals, going exercising. Like those are very utilitarian. Rituals are not always so. Yes. For instance, when when I come home, I'm in the habit of hanging up my keys on, you know, a hook down by the door that's a very utilitarian thing something that would be more akin to a ritual would be like me coming home hanging up my keys on the door and then giving the wall a tap or something like that
1: right something Something that
0: signifies mentally and physically you know i'm home right you know something that's just for me and that's really what it's all about yes mentally steadying yourself the wasteland is a chaotic place there's a lot of things that can happen there's a lot of things that do happen the gyro captain when he woke up that morning did not plan on being taken captive he planned on catching someone in a trap filling up his gyro and continuing to fly. He's in a situation where he's very much out of control, but the one thing that he is in control of is when he's done eating, he can pull out that handkerchief and he can pat down his mouth. It's something to just, I've finished a task and now I'm centering myself mentally
1: seems like with a ritual the action is more important than the product of the action right like it it was more important to go through the actions of taking out the handkerchief dabbing his mouth putting it away than having a clean face yeah
0: i don't think his face was even that dirty to begin with no and and that's why it's more of a ritual than a habit
1: Right. And the parts of his face and the rest of his body that are dirty aren't going to get cleaned by the simple action of dabbing his mouth. Right. But it's not about getting clean. It's about the action.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I like having that as part of his character that little detail that was thrown in there. And I don't think I've heard anything in any interview where Bruce Spence has talked about the backstory that he thought up for the gyro captain, because as we heard before, George Miller wanted everyone to think of a backstory for their character. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what Bruce Spence thought up for the gyro captain, but... Little motions like this, I'm sure, deal directly with that backstory that he invented for himself.
1: Yes. This is not in the screenplay. Kind of seems like this was a decision after this particular screenplay was written. Maybe in the moment, or or maybe... In conversation with Bruce Spence, this was something he wanted to do. Yeah,
0: quite possibly. Yeah. So. Getting back to the compound because that's the next thing that we see. Yep. The dust is starting to settle around the compound. The cars have driven far enough away mm-hmm. that things are starting to settle down. We get another good shot of you know just the compound, and it's got the lights that the gyro captain mentioned earlier. It's got the the power, and there's a lot less activity at this point compared to what we saw earlier in the day, mm-hmm. where before. Every- Everyone was bustling around. People were up on the wall. They were actively guarding. Everyone seems to have calmed down for the now and everything seems just very still.
1: Yeah, it's it's nice to see the compound this way in not a constant state of battle. Mm-hmm. It almost seems... Like, a temporary ceasefire has been called on both sides. Yeah. Like, agreed upon, we're not going to fight for the night, we'll see you guys in the morning kind of thing. I I doubt that there was any communication that that was actually decided upon, but I think both sides were like, we need a break, we need to rest, and everybody's taking advantage of that.
0: Yeah, I think the word you're looking for is reprieve. Yes. It's not so much a truce as much as a tactical withdrawal for the time, and you definitely get the sense that... The people inside the compound are grateful for it. (laughs) Yeah. Just the slightest moment's amount of rest afforded them. But at the same time, all of those lights are burning really bright. And so you can bet that everyone is still working and planning. Yes. Getting ready for something.
1: The people inside the compound, their fight is much more physical. They're not in vehicles. They are physically manning the flamethrowers and the crossbows and their other defensive measures. So they are physically more tired. They have been physically working all day long. Mm-hmm. So they need to not only regroup, but they need to fix and restock and reset up their defensive measures in addition to resting their bodies. Mm-hmm.
0: And just, yeah, just like they the they have Lord a lot hum- of work to do. And just like the Lord Humongous is retreating so that he can think of a better plan... They're probably using this time to also think of a better plan.
1: Right, because their plan is working so far, but it's not discouraging the Horde enough that they're going to go away. Right. Which is their ultimate goal, or to get out.
0: Mm -hmm. Like, they're stuck. Their plan is stay in one place, defend the fuel, and hold it out, and they need... They need a better solution that's going to get them out of this. Yes. Because the Horde isn't really going anywhere for now.
1: No. A <laughs> stalemate A stalemate is not good enough for them. Yeah. Yes, it keeps them alive for one more night, but what happens tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that? They need to, I don't know, they, they need to discourage the Horde enough that they're going to go away or hope that the Horde's resources run out.
0: Mm. Or get themselves out or of get
1: there. themselves out of there
0: and we're gonna see tomorrow that that's exactly what they've decided to do i know we're being coy about oh what are they gonna <laughs> plan but no we already know what they're gonna plan because we go from this shot of the compound it dips to black we get another pretty much solid second of darkness and then we fade up it's the next morning and max and dog and the gyro captain they are asleep on top of their ridge and it looks like max has a blanket but you said it's more like a poncho
1: yeah tomorrow when he when he sits up you can it kind of looks like there's a hole cut in the blanket for his head oh okay so i think it is a blanket but he is wearing it like a poncho okay Which is probably just easier for him to manage. Mm -hmm. A blanket, you have to like pull it up over yourself. A blanket is stealable. But if it's physically on you, (laughs) like a poncho, no one can walk by and swipe it off of you.
0: That's very true. It's very hard to swipe something quickly when someone's body part is poking through a part of it. Yes. Because it gets caught. So I'm going to have to pay attention to that tomorrow when we... Catch back up with them. Yep. One major detail that you see is how cold and uncomfortable the gyro captain looks because Max has the blanket, Max has dog cuddled up against him. They're two peas in a pod, and the gyro captain is in the background of this shot, like cuddled up. Like Bruce Spence is a huge guy. And he's just And he's curled up like a bean.
1: Yes. And he looks sad. You know what you know what his position reminds me of? It reminds me of when you, I know it's sometimes you and sometimes me, but it reminds me of when you steal the blankets and I'm trying to stay warm without blankets and you curl up in a little ball <laughs> and you're sad cuz you don't have any blankets. <laughs> yep. I
0: can't corroborate that story because when I'm awake I don't steal blankets.
1: Well, when I'm awake, I don't steal blankets either.
0: Yeah, I don't usually ever have a problem with you stealing blankets, though.
1: No. I would like to point out that the comforter is on the floor on your side of the bed this morning.
0: Like I said, I can't control (laughs) what I do when I sleep. (laughs) I can't help you there, hon. I really can't. I know. (laughs) But yeah, sleeping is where we leave this minute. It's where we wrap with everyone just cozy, wrapped up on top of that ridge. I wouldn't necessarily say everyone is technically cl- cozy, but the scene appears to have coziness in it. So I will leave it at that. Yes. So come back tomorrow. Everyone's going to wake up and it won't be like one of those awkward things where you wake up before before everybody else and the house is really quiet and you can't be loud because you don't want to wake everyone up. It's, it's, you know, never mind. Yeah,
1: none of that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> The Mad Max Minute podcast is a fan project by Rick and Julia Ingham.
1: The Mad Max franchise was created by George Miller and Byron Kennedy and presented by Warner Brothers Pictures in association with Village Roadshow Pictures.
0: Mad Max Minute is produced and edited by Rick Ingham. Our opening music is by Daniel Batista of danielbautista.com.
1: You can follow Mad Max Minute on Twitter at Mad Max Minute, on Facebook at Mad Max Minute Beyond Microphone, and at madmaxminute.com.
0: And finally, if you would like to contribute to the podcast, visit madmaxminute.com, click on the support link at the top of the page, and check out our Patreon to help us keep the tanks full.
1: Thank you for joining us for Minute 19 of the Road Warrior. We'll see you tomorrow.